Hello, I'm Mike Browning. Welcome to Let God Speak. He who has your heart has your loyalty. Loyalty is a priceless part of personal integrity. You can always trust such a person of integrity. Today, we'll look at loyalty in the very challenging setting of slavery and the family. Well, folks, on our panel today, we have Kate Simpson. And Kate, this is your very first time on LGS, Let God Speak. So thank you for coming and joining us. And we're very glad to have you. And Stephen Groom, whom we know really well by now. So thank you for joining us. And we want, we really want God to be here today. So we're going to invite everyone to join us in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you that we can come in prayer to you today. And we ask that you will guide us as we talk about this very important subject of slavery and the family today. May your Holy Spirit guide us, we pray, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, now, folks, some people like to mock the Bible. If you're a believer in the Bible, you'll know that. And one of the things that they say is that the Bible supports slavery. And that's a very serious challenge. And we're going to talk about that today. Um, We're going to explore the key principles that the New Testament gives us, particularly the Apostle Paul, to guide us in our behaviour and to guide the behaviour of slaves and, of course, slave masters. So we're going to talk about that today. Um, First of all, Stephen, can the writings of Paul be used to justify slavery? Some people make a mistake in thinking that somehow Paul is either condoning or trying to um, do away with uh, slavery and... uh, But first, I'd like to read the verse, if I can, in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 5, which says, Servants, be obedient to them who are your masters according to flesh, with fear and trembling in singleness of your heart as unto Christ. Now, the word there for servant, this is the King James Version. Mm. Uh, The Greek word is doulos and probably more. Uh, a better translation is slave in, in this case, because yes. doulos can be translated. And bond servant in some translations, like yes. the one I'm using here. So, yep. Yeah. And, and so um, Paul is stating that here, that in doing service to their master, they should substitute Christ um, for their master, doing heartfelt, excellent service um, And then so Paul is offering a transformed Christian understanding of the master-slave relationship. And they were to do their work for the slave master as to Christ, which is a lovely thought. Pretend that Christ Mm. is their master and not a man. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. Now, look, I'm going to read the next verse. It's Ephesians chapter six still and verse six, which says, continuing on from that point, not with eye service as men pleases, but as bond servants of Christ or slaves of Christ, as you've pointed out, doing the will of God from the heart here. So there's another important factor here, Kate, isn't there? That's yeah, coming out. very much. And like the point we see here, it's 
It's about um, our heart work. So it's coming from the heart, which it says in singleness of heart and doing the will of God from the heart. So mm. our attitude is everything. And we often, like, we can't control our circumstances in life. We often don't know where we're going to be placed in life, mm. but we can control our attitude and what we do with That's true. that situation. Yes. And so here we have, you know, this is a, a part here about um, slaves and masters. Slaves, you know, they're in bondage, they're in control of their masters, but it's their attitude that makes the difference here. Mm, no, thank you for that. That's so true. Um, Stephen, can you think of a good Bible or Old Testament model, particularly, of how slaves can act or to act? Oh, yes. One of my favourite stories in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, is a story of Joseph, yep. uh, a very encouraging model. He was originally one of the favorite sons of his father, Jacob. And because of the jealousy of his brothers, he was sold into slavery to the Ishmaelites. And they sold him to Egypt, to Potiphar's household. And so he went from being the favorite son to being a slave in a household. Mm. But And anyone could become discouraged by that and have a bad attitude. But... Um, Joseph purposed in his heart to be faithful to God and do the best he could. And so he went from um, being a slave in the household. Potiphar saw the good spirit in him. He made him in charge of all his house. But through um, how just jealousy of the wife, he was put in prison. But through the same attitude of being faithful to God, doing his job well, he was put in charge of the prison. And he went from there to being a prime minister of um, Egypt in the end. Which was amazing. <laughs> yes. You can only say that's an incredible mm. change, isn't it? So people can mm. see when you do heartfelt, excellent service, people will see that you yeah. have the right spirit in you no matter what um, job you do. And I'd just like to go to Genesis chapter 41, if I yes. may. Genesis chapter 41, where Joseph tells us exactly where his motive came from. And in verse 16... He said, and Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, it is not in me. This is when Pharaoh asked for him to interpret the dream. But he said, God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. So, mm -hmm. so Joseph attributed all his excellence to God. Yeah, yeah. He didn't take the glory. So this is, and that's an attitude. Clearly, he carried right through these 13 very trying years for him. Yes. Yeah, yeah quite something. Um, so going back to Paul... Um, here, Kate. Um, so what is Paul and the Bible generally doing? Uh, um, is it supporting or approving slavery here, do you think? Well, it's a bit of a trick question because mm. it's actually doing neither. And it's really important to get this point. Yeah. Paul is not addressing this from a social reformer perspective. He's not trying to change everybody. Okay. He's addressing it from a pastoral perspective in that he is instructing people on how to act in their circumstances, which is kind of what I was saying before. Yeah. Um, you know, the reality is slavery existed and Paul's not trying to change it. He's just saying, in this situation, here is how God would have you to act. Yes, thank you. That's very nice. I appreciate that. Um, and, and Stephen, can you summarise for us the differences in slave-master relationships that Paul was advocating. Yes. So he was looking for a social revolution, both in the church as members and in the family situation. And so he was calling for a reformation or virtue in Christian behavior, 
um, which would be bring glory and honour to Christ and would attract people um, to the, the religion of, of Christianity. Okay. And so um, by simply doing their job well, and even today, mm. we will show give glory to God in that respect. Okay, so it was the church family that he was focusing on, yes. not the wider community in terms of slavery and its appropriateness. Yes. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, Kate, why do you suppose Paul was so cautious in dealing with slavery? I mean, isn't slavery an evil thing? Yeah, definitely it is evil. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if the infant church, like if they'd begun to make a crusade against slavery at that time, it might have just crippled the whole church because it was yeah. very small at that time. If they'd yeah. risen up and done this big, you know, massive thing against it, it might have brought about um, a really negative result that they I really didn't true. want at mm. that time. Mm. Yeah, mm. It was just too soon mm. for that to happen. Yeah, and of course, later um, it was a Christian movement that that um, mm. opposed slavery. Yeah. when the time did come. No, that's very interesting. Thank you for that. Kate. Mm. And I'll just add as well there that sometimes we can think slavery was a thing of the past, but it's interesting to note that there's approximately like 40 million people in slavery today still. And that's what we know. Yeah, mm. and that's what we know of. Yeah. So Paul's advice here is quite relevant, like literally as well. It to is, the people isn't it? living. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I can appreciate that. Look, I'm going to read um, on in Ephesians chapter 6 because Paul talks quite a lot about that, um, this matter there. And I'm mm -hmm. going to go to verse 7 now. We've read 5 and 6, verse 7. With goodwill doing service as to the Lord, not to men. Important point. Mm -hmm. um, down to verse 9. He addresses the, the masters, the slave owners now, and he says, To you masters, do the same things to them giving up threatening, knowing that your own master also is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. Um, now, think about what it would mean, Stephen, if Paul's principle of brotherhood that he's trying to describe here was actually put into practice. What effect would this have amongst the Christians when it comes to slavery? Well, once slave and master are treating um, each other as brothers in Christ, think of the Reformation um, the dynamic would change completely in society, mm. wouldn't it? Mm, with with the, um, kindness and respect as unto Jesus. If we treated everyone uh, as mm. if they were Jesus, yeah. think of the change that would bring. It would be enormous, wouldn't it? Yes, it would bring heaven to earth, wouldn't it? <laughs> Certainly to the slaves, yeah. that's for sure. Um, I'm going to go over to Colossians now. Paul is talking about slavery there as well. And this is Colossians chapter 3. And I'm going to read verse 22 and 23 there. Um, in the New King James, it begins bond servants. Remember, that's the word for slaves. Bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh. That's your earthly masters. Not with eye service, as men pleases, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. This sounds familiar, doesn't it, in terms of what he said in mm. Ephesians. Verse 23, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Um, so Paul is making some very subtle changes here, Kate, mm. um, in the relationships between slave and master. Do you pick up what they were there? Yeah. So he's talking about putting Christ in place of um, the slave and the master. So slaves are not to place their master in place of Christ, but to substitute Christ for okay. the master. A very important yeah, substitution. Bringing it back around. Mm. Yeah. And it's, it's quite a, a radical switch in this relationship between master and slave. He's basically turning it on its head. 
It is. Yeah. yeah. And I think just one more point to note there is that Paul is not saying that we should disregard our masters, but he's just putting them in their proper order. Christ first, then master. So you're working for Christ, not mm. for the slave owner. Is there an element of judgment in there as well? It talks mm. about the fear of the fear of the Lord there. It does. So it, there's an element of the way we treat others will be judged for that, won't we? Okay. Mm. Yeah. That's a very sobering thought if you're a slave owner. I mean, think yeah. about that. Mm. Um, actually, Paul attempts to bring the, the masters, the slave owners down to earth, doesn't he? How did he do that? Okay, so um, yes, he says that in, in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 9, verse 9 it says that you masters do the same things unto them, the slaves, Forbearing threatening, know that your master also is in heaven, neither is the respect of persons with him. So they themselves as masters, um, they might think that they're above all, but they're not. So mm. Paul is reminding them they have a master in heaven. So they should live and work and treat their subordinates mm. as they would like God to treat them. Yes, it was a, most, mm. a, a huge change in, yes. in the way they were to be treated and the attitude again. Mm. Yes, absolutely. Look, um, I'm going to go back to Ephesians 6, 8, verse 8. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is slave or free. What's free? What's he saying here, Kate? Well, this is referring to the judgment in this verse. Um, and basically he's saying that whether you are bond or free, whether you are the slave or the master, in the judgment, you will be treated the same. We are all mm. equal in the judgment time. Huge responsibility to take into the judgment, actually being a slave owner. You think about it. Yeah. Wow. You know, a very big thing. Very sobering. Very sobering thought. Look, I'm going to go over to Colossians chapter 4, back to where he's talking about it there. I'm going to read chapter 4 and verse 1. Um, Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more, just as you received from us, anyone pick up that I'm not in Colossians? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Wondering where I was. Sorry, I was in Thessalonians there, folks. Colossians chapter 4, verse 1. Masters, give your bondservants, your slaves, what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Um, give what is just and fair. What does he mean by that? Is he talking about some recompense or wages here for their work? Now, it was a custom. It sounds like that, doesn't it? Mm. There was a custom in Roman times for um, masters to occasionally pay their slaves, and this was not ob- obligatory, mm. um, to pay their slaves a, a peculium. That was a Latin word meaning a wage if they felt like it. But Paul is actually condoning and confirming this um, and basically saying that they should do it all the time, maybe. Okay, and that's good, isn't it? Um, The labourer is worthy of his hire. And if this is so, Mm. then it would change the relationship to somewhat like a servant, instead of being a a master slave, to be more equal as in an employer-employee like we have today. So a good relationship between master and slave does change the relationship to a more even field. Okay, Mm. and we're beginning to see, aren't we, that these principles, if applied, are going to change the whole relationship between a slave owner and a slave yes. if they're put into practice. It's yes. quite different altogether. Yes, and it's a little more subtle than saying don't do it. Yes, and right. so if you have the master paying wages 
and you have the slave doing work willingly as best he can, mm. that would create a good relationship, wouldn't it? It would. Mm. Yeah, totally different. Yeah. Um, back in Ephesians again in chapter 6, and uh, going back to verse 9, I'll read it through um, again. And you masters, do the same things to them, giving up threatening. Read this a moment ago. Knowing that your own master also is in heaven and there's no partiality with him. So what does he mean by doing the same thing to them, Kate? Do you see what he's coming across with? Yeah, yeah. What he's saying here is do unto others as you would have them do to you. That's sort of the first principle. But also treat others like Christ would treat them. Act as if you were Christ there. You know, Christ doesn't treat people in a mean or or negative way. Mm. He does, you know, bring about rebukes and his things, but he always does it with love and with kindness. And so what Paul is saying here is, Imagine that you were Christ. Treat people with that same love and kindness that he okay. would treat them if he were their master. And how would you, and if it was Christ that you were dealing with, how would you treat him? Would you treat him like you're treating a slave? Yeah. Very sobering and very powerful thoughts, mm. indeed. And very practical mm. as well. Yes, very. Mm. Mm, thank you. So, um, Stephen, can you summarise for us the main principles that Paul is giving us here for dealing with slave-master relationships? Okay, so the master should keep in mind that he has a master in heaven who's going to judge him. And Mm. for the same effect, um, so that if the master mistreats the slave, he will be held accountable for that in the judgment. Mm. And in the same way, the slave is responsible to do his work. He cannot be lazy. He has to do what um, God has given him through the master. Mm -hmm. He, as a slave, has to treat the master as if he's doing it for Christ himself. Yeah, and what a totally different attitude it is. Um, and human equality, what is Paul's main point here, Kate, about human equality? Yeah, Paul's kind of, he's taking a, a zoom out basically, and he's saying that Christ is in heaven as the, the master, the supreme master, mm. which means on earth we are all equaled. Master, slave, we're all equal under Christ as the main master. Yeah, yeah, okay. Mm. Um, what do you think Paul hopes would happen if people apply these principles, Stephen? He's going by preaching unity and equality. Paul hopes that the evil institution of slavery will collapse in itself. Yeah. And I, if these yeah. principles that Paul is advocating here in Ephesians and Colossians were carried out, I think it would the system would collapse by itself. Yeah. Sla- our masters would stop uh, treating their slaves harshly and wrongly, and they would really have no reason to if the slaves were doing the work properly okay. and as best they can. Reciprocal, there would be happiness on both sides, mm. wouldn't it? Mm. Mm. No, that's good. That would be almost like family. In some cases, it was. Yeah. yeah. Now, Kate, do you think these principles that we're looking at here would help um, in the relationship between employers and employees even today? Yeah, very much. Basically, what you've said, principles, and I think that kind of relates back to what Stephen was saying before a little bit about employers and employees, Mm. that if we apply these principles, um, that would definitely help. In a slave-master relationship, that might be by force. In an Mm. employer-employee, usually you're not in a a forced situation, but if you apply the same principles, it would go a long way. And, And I'd just like to say that before I was converted, I was a bit of a slave. I considered work as drudgery and, mm. I, was, and, I, and, and I did everything, every task as, as like I didn't want to do it. Mm. But I, I found that after conversion, I enjoy work. 
I do things to the best of my ability. Okay. Because you're working for Christ. I'm wor- and I see that principle working out. The jobs that people give me, mm. I treat it as a job from Christ. Mm. Okay. And that should be the attitude, I believe, of all Christians. I think it should too. And, mm. and, to, to, and it's isn't how encouraging is it to know that what you're doing is pleasing God? Yes. Yeah. Not just your employer. Yeah. No, that's really good. Thanks for that. Um, now, Stephen, let's move on from slaves now to parents and children. Do you see any similarities here between Paul's advice to slave owners and his advice to parents? Oh, yes, definitely. And there's a, that same unequal um, position, isn't it's it? A power, different, not a power balance at all. Is it? It's no. very unequal. Yeah. Um, let's go to Matthew chapter 18 and verse 4. I'll just read the, the verse there. It says, Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So the, what is Matthew is pointing out the humility and self-forgetfulness of a child is a model that we should copy, isn't it? Yeah, and it's, um, it's a sobering model. And, and for adults who are in charge of children and by extension, anyone in authority over others in any mm. situation, yeah. mm. employer or employee, Humility is close to godliness, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Okay, so do you see anything else in these verses here, Kate? Yeah, I would just like to read verse 5 as well, which says, And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. And so what um, it's saying here in Matthew is that, you know, we should treat little children and we should imagine that they are like Christ. So how do we treat Christ if they were that little child mm. and, you know, putting Christ in place of that child? OK, so there's two thoughts here, isn't there? For the adult to act um, with, the, with the attitude, the humility of a child um, and the same token recognising that the child they are, they are dealing with mm. um, is a representation of Christ. Yeah, that principle, mm. in as much as you've done it unto all the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. Yes. Isn't it interesting how Jesus took a child, placed them in front mm. the child in front of all the adults and said, you need to become like this little child. Yes. I guarantee the eyebrows shot up <laughs> when he said that, don't you think? Because yeah. at that time, the disciples were seeking who was, who was to be the greatest in the mm. kingdom. Yeah. And then Jesus brought that child as, a, as an example of someone who's not seeking to um, lord it over others or to be first in the kingdom, but someone who is seeking to serve God the best mm. of their ability. Quite humbling, isn't it? Humbling, yeah. yes. You know how we say power corrupts and absolute power does worse. Um, people in authority are always tempted to use their authority in, in, in dominating ways and unfair ways. And I think that this is what he's cautioning us against here. No, you're to be servants of each other. Yes, mm-hmm. it's a totally different pro- uh, different principle he's giving to us here. And I think mm-hmm. that the the best example we have, of course, is is Jesus Christ Himself. Mm-hmm. He was he had the greatest authority. He was the King of Heaven, and he came on Earth, and he was the most humble being that ever walked the planet. Yes, and we're to copy that. Yes, mm-hmm. it, it's quite remarkable, isn't it? Yes, uh, it's a model. And he, Jesus actually went out of his way to point out that the model I'm giving you is different from the model that you'll see in governments and other things like that, where one, dom- one person dominates another. Yeah. He said, it's not to be like that amongst you. Yeah. He that is to be the greatest. If you want to be greatest, mm-hmm. become the servant of all. And, and when the other disciples were 
asking or arguing who was to be greatest, he took a rag and began to wash their feet. Oh, yeah. In mm. Asian society, the feet were, were something you just don't touch. To this mm. day in Asia, you know, you don't touch people's feet, but Jesus mm. went and washed their dirty feet. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so what a beautiful model he gave us. So he demonstrated all that he was saying. And uh, what he was demonstrating also for us was what God himself is like. God, the creator, the almighty who governs the entire universe, put it in place, holds it in place. He is like that. Mm. That's, that's amazing, isn't it? Mm. Yes. I've often thought, what if God wasn't like that? What if God, for example, was like the, the, the Greek gods, you know, capricious, selfish, evil, in fact, mm. yes. but God is not like that. He's holy and righteous. Yes. Great, Would we yeah. be here if he wasn't um, That's so true. humble? Yeah, mm. if he wasn't. So we can go to him um, knowing he's a gracious, merciful God. Yes. And, uh, mm. and we can obtain mercy and grace to help us in our time of need and our time of forgiveness. Okay, let's move back here to our, our talk here. I want to go back to Ephesians chapter 6. And I'm going to read verse one and two, because um, before he began to talk about slavery, he was talking about children and parents' relationships to children. So in chapter six, um, verse one and two, as a matter of fact, um, Stephen, um, we're talking about the responsibility that a child has in relationships, right? We talked about the parents just briefly. And chapter six, verse one and two, um, I'll read it for you if you like. It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with promise. So what's he telling us about the child's responsibility here? The child's responsibility is to obey, obey their parents in the Lord. Um, that is within the will of God. Yeah. So there are conditions upon which a child how would I put this, disobey their parents as if the parents would tell them to do something. And this is the same for all Christians, isn't it? Mm. If people ask us to do anything that is not Christian. What we know is not the will of God. That yeah. is not the will of God. Mm. Then you would to say no. Yeah. So as long as the children, sorry, the parents are um, teaching according to the will of God, yeah. the children should obey to the best of the ability, the same as the servants obey the masters. Yes, yeah, a little bit of a delicate situation there that you've touched on. Uh, nonetheless, by obeying their parents, a child is obeying Christ once again, um, putting Christ in place of the person that we're relating to. And that's really important too. Look, um, just quickly, Colossians chapter 3, 21 yep. says this, Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. What's he saying here, Kate? Basically, parental discipline, don't push it too far. Don't make them angry. This is, yeah. uh, parental discipline has gone so far that it's now no longer effective. Everyone's just angry and discouraged. Okay. So know the limits, don't go too far. Don't provoke them to anger and it will be well. That's right. And if a, if a child feels like they can never do anything right, yeah. no matter what they do or how hard they try, well, clearly, um, that's going to have a very negative impact. The child would be discouraged and just stop trying, basically. Yeah. So thank you. Well, we're going to have to leave it there. Folks, thank you so much for sharing today. We really appreciate your input. Um, there is a close relationship between the treatment of slaves on the one hand and the treatment of children on the other. In both cases, recognising our equality before God affects how we treat each other. 
Ultimately, how we treat those more vulnerable than ourselves is transformed by knowing that we're actually doing it to Christ. And I was very taken by that thought today. Well, you were glad you joined us on Let God Speak today. You can watch this program again or catch up on other programs through our website, 3abnaustralia.org.au. Email us if you wish on lgs at 3abnaustralia.org.au. Join us again next time. God bless. You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs, please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.